Welcome to Rock Album Analysts. In today's episode, we have an interview with the Claws drummer, Tony Pacheco, who's got some great memories of knowing some of the guys in Motley Crue before the band even formed, and some other memories that have to do with the recording of Theater of Pain. So without further ado, here's Tony Pacheco and some Motley memories. Mike, would you like to introduce our special guest? Yes, uh, we have our friend, uh, and my friend particularly, uh, Tony Pacheco. Uh, Tony is in a band that I recently joined uh, named The Claws. Uh, they've been together, I believe, since 2018. Um, I recently joined them about a, a year ago before uh, pre-COVID, as it is. Um, I've known Tony for years uh, because I've seen him play in other bands, and he's also seen me play in bands in Los Angeles. Um, and Tony's a drummer that I've always admired, and he's a great guy, and uh, he's got such great history. Uh, with you know being a California native and his experience with playing in, in bands, you know, during a time when I was just a kid, you know, on on the East Coast and dreaming about doing what you know the things that Tony was doing at the time. So, I thought it'd be fun to bring Tony to the uh, the discussion to get his perspective and get some of the stories and you know just give us another dimension into this you know the things that we discuss, particularly you know when you have somebody that was you know there at the time and has such unique history and you know the, the stories and the tales that he could tell, I thought it'd be fun to bring him in and interview him. So welcome to Absolutely. Me. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I got a lot of uh, a lot of stuff uh, in the memory banks and some of them I have to fact check now and kind of Google and some of them are a little skewed. Some of them aren't. I argue a little bit. I see the read the books and the movies and stuff. And uh, pretty much, you know, I've been correct. And my memory's a little blurry, but it's pretty much spot on. And, you know, just like everybody, I'm sure in everything, I used to laugh at, you know, my dad's friend that would say, oh, I, was in the, I was in the army with Elvis, you know. And, <laughs> you know, that seemed like a long time ago, but it's kind of one of the same because when I was kind of a kid and, you know, the guy at the bar was going, I was in the army with Elvis, it was probably like maybe less years than we're talking now with me talking about knowing Nikki Six or Tommy or just kind of being around them. And I didn't really know them as, and which were childhood friends with them as much as just kind of in the scene and in passing and okay. stuff like that. But, um, you know, there's some cool stories and some cool little tidbits that, you know, I usually tell people and well, at least now maybe there's an audience that wants to hear it rather than me, you know, ranting to somebody that, doesn't care <laughs> you know yeah well we definitely want to hear it. what's what's the earliest uh memory you have of meeting those guys well okay it goes way back um back in like before 1980 79 80-ish uh of course i was playing clubs um all around la uh in local bands and my dad didn't want me to you know he wanted me to go to work so he used to uh <laughs> pull me out of bed and uh, uh, take me on the construction site with him, you know? And so I remember playing clubs till one, two in the morning and having to get up at five o'clock because Pops is like, get in the truck, we're going to work, you know? Wow. So it was one of those old school things. And he used to laugh at me because he used to say, oh, I have to take my son to work with the green hair and all this stuff. And I think back then, I think I had a, like a little blonde streak in my hair because Joe Perry did it, you know? Um, oh, yeah. In Aerosmith. So if you wanted to be cool, you would peroxide your hair and of course, I was real early into trying to get my hair, you know, getting my hair to look like Johnny Thunders, you know. And of course, back then you'd get chased and beat up. And, you know, they, they threw me out of high school for wearing eyeliner and 
having my hair like, you know, like Johnny Thunders. And so anyways, um, I get to work early 80s and some guys on the construction side are going, hey, Tony, there's a guy over there that looks like you. And I'm like, what do you mean he looks like me? You know, and I guess back then it's because I had that hair and there's some other guy on the other side of the, of the construction site that had hair like that. So I finally go around, I see this guy and I recognize him. That's Tom Bass. I know who Tom Bass is. So he walks over to me and I remember, I go, hey man, I don't know if I, I saw him from playing in, he was in a band called Sweet 19. Right. And everybody back then referred to him as Tom Bass, like one word. Hey, Tom Bass. Hey, Tom Bass. It wasn't, it wasn't Tommy. It wasn't Tommy Lee. It was like Tom Bass, you know, this skinny, this skinny guy, you know, this skinny lanky guy with his hair and always the nicest guy and the coolest guy. And I tell people like the epitome of charm and I can see how all the girls would love him. And when you're a guy, you're like, you want to hang out with him. He's like, how, how, what's his name? Uh, their manager said he's 12 years old all the time. He is. It's like, you want to hang out with him all day. Cause he's the coolest guy in the world. Funnier than ever wants to know all about you not narcissistic at all. Not just, doesn't talk about himself. So Tommy was just Tom, Tom Bass goes, I go, Hey man, what are you doing? He goes, I, I, who are you playing with? He goes, I'm going to go audition for this band. Um, uh, have you ever heard of Grand Theft? I go, yeah, yeah. I know who Grand Theft. He goes, well, the singer, he's starting a new band. And the singer of Grand Theft was a guy named Kelly Rhodes. Okay. So I go, yeah, I, I know who Kelly is. I know Kelly. I know who Grand Theft is. He goes, yeah, he's going to start this new thing. So I go, cool, man. And we parted and I kind of like did an unethical thing. I called up Tony Burloff, which is Tony Babylon. I'll get into that later. Yeah. Tony Babylon was into, uh, he knew the whole Randy Road circle because he was always at all the Quiet Riot shows, as I was too. But he was more, he knew Randy Rhodes personally and he knew all the, the whole circle of them. I go, hey, Tony, Kelly Rhodes is starting a new band. I go, and they're, they're looking for a drummer. Can, can you give me a slot? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'll make some phone calls. So he makes some phone calls. And he goes, hey, man, I got you a slot. They're looking for a drummer and a bass player. I go, cool. I go, I'll take, I'll take Mike Lay with me. Mike Lay, is a ba- he was a bass player at the time. He was, a, he was in a band called Damn Yankees later on. Hmm. And uh, Mike was real cool, good-looking guy. So I get this time and this place to go to Victory Studios in uh, Burbank. It's a rainy night. We get there, me and Mike, I meet Kelly Rhodes. I'm like, I didn't really know him. I saw Grand Theft. And at that time he was like a real like Steven Tyler lookalike, you know, in fact, people back then actually thought he was Steven Tyler, you know? And, mm. and I was like, he looks nothing like his brother, you know, but now I can see the similarities. But back then I'm like, you know, Randy Rhodes doesn't look like Steven Tyler, but they're brothers. And actually Kelly is his, uh, Randy's older brother hmm. so so we set up and we're playing at victory no we weren't playing yet I, I was bringing my gear in and Mike was we were bringing our gear in and I see Nikki Nikki Six there I'm like what, what the hell is Nikki Six doing here and he's walking through and we're setting up and my friend Michael Lay has a jean jacket on and he has a Lita Ford button on his on his on his jean jacket you know Lita Ford and um and he walks by Nikki, and Nikki goes, hey, what are you doing with my girlfriend on your jacket? And Mike was like, oh, shit, you know, because Nikki kind of back then was like a big, 
old, kind of an older guy. We knew who he was from London and stuff. And we were kind of intimidated because he was there. Because he was like a local, you know, kind of a local celeb, you know. And Mike was like, kind of like, shit, you know. I didn't realize that I was wearing, you know. I guess Nikki thought it was funny. Like, here's this kid with this, with this Alita Ford button on his jacket. So Nikki's there. We're playing and it's, it's, it's vibing, you know, it's like, we're sounding good. And, and, uh, uh, Kelly's singing and everything. And Nikki's sitting there watching us. I was a little intimidated because Nikki's watching us and we stop, and all of a sudden crash, bang, pow, I guess Tom Bass fashion. Here comes Tom Bass through the back door, like a wet rat, all wet. Hey man, sorry, I'm late. And I got lost. He starts explaining that he got lost and he was late and he was all wet oh, and he's like great, looking yeah. around the room he's like hey man what's up and he's like looking at me and he looks over at me and he's like hey man like 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 in fast times at ridgemont high you know <laughs> i know that dude you know he's doing that. he's like hey man and then at that point i'm like oh shit you know he's gonna come punch me or like he goes hey man What's going on? And I was like, I felt so bad because I'm like, he's going to put the pieces together going, I remember talking to you. What are you doing here? You know, what are you doing here? You know, and so I was like kind of nervous. Now I'm nervous because Nikki's there and then Tom Bass is there. And so we're playing again. And now Tom Bass and Nikki are, are watching us, you know, we're playing, we're playing. And we stop, take a break. And Tommy walks over to me and I was like, I'm like, so, Hey man, I go, uh, I, you know, I didn't want, I didn't know if he was going to go totally not cool. You know, I tell you about this thing. You're here before me, you know? And I, he didn't do any of that. And I go, Hey man. So, uh, well, Hey, are they going to, are they going to, are they going to reschedule you because you were here late or are they going to, are they going to hear you? You know, he goes, ah, oh, man, he was like the coolest guy. He goes, you know what? Sounds Sounds good. Sounds good, man. You got a bass player. This he goes. I think they're gonna go with you guys. He, Tommy never played, never set up. He goes. I think they're gonna go with you guys. He goes. But dude, it's cool, man. Me and Nikki, me and Nikki are gonna put this thing together, and he's starting this thing. And and I'm not kidding you. All this time for years, I even contacted some people in the rule room, and I and I know the books are different, and this the this movie's different. And I've even asked the guys in the room. I'm like. Is that when Tom Bass met Nikki right then and there? Because to me, it was. I don't know if they knew each other before then or if they had talked about Motley Crue before then or whatever, but he, had he told me that he wasn't going to do the Kelly Rhodes thing because him and Nikki were going to do their thing. Right. And, it was, and it was funny because I thought the, the whole Motley Crue thing, we were calling it Motley Crue. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Nikki's gonna start, okay. He's gonna start this thing, and he's gonna call it Christmas. I remember her hearing the Christmas thing. He was gonna okay. name a band Christmas, and then we thought, you know, that's that's lame, but that's kind of cool too, because that's like Nikki would do something that cool. And so I'm like, Mott Lacrue. I'm like, okay, I get it, because in London he had this singer Nigel Benjamin singing in London, the Mott records, yeah. And he was on all the Mott records, yeah. So. And we like we love the you know the Mott, the two Mott records and Nigel was amazing, and I'm thinking okay well now he's gonna do a version of Mott with Nigel I call it Mott Lacrue you know I didn't know it was Mott Lacrue so we were we had it all messed up so then the whole I was like oh Mott Lacrue 
you know. And so uh, we went on and we named the band or, uh, oh, I, I think I came up with it. I told uh, Kelly, I said, yeah, you know, we're, I go, we're just like a bunch of street kids, you know, playing. And he goes, that's the name of the band. We're going to call the band Street Kids. So we went out and of course, you know, we, we, we should have had enough clout with his brother's name to like at least get a Sunday night at the Starwood. But we get on the Gazaris thing, you know. Mm. So we're playing Gazaris and some other places. I don't know where else we played. We did a handful of gigs. But I remember it, the first, a lot of the gigs, the first gigs, here's Nikki and Tom Bass there to see us, you know. Wow. And it was cool. And I remember Tom Bass standing behind my drums with his arms, you know, folded and watching me play drums. And and this is why now I have this whole like chip on my shoulder of not, I don't twirl my drumsticks, you know, because back then I used to twirl my drumsticks. I didn't mm. do it like Tommy. Tommy used to watch me and I even had friends go, um, man, doesn't that piss you off? And Tom Bass like rip, ripped you off. I'm like, what did he rip off? He didn't rip anything off of me. And so I would, I had learned from watching the drummer named Mick Brown. Mick Brown played in a band called Exciter and the Boys with George Lynch. And okay. I think, wasn't Mick Brown in Dokken or he was Late, always yeah, with Yeah, later George. on, yeah, with George, yeah. Yeah, sure. so Mick Brown used to do this thing where before he would hit a cymbal, he was able to like twirl his sticks before the before the cymbal crashed between his fingers. Okay. And I, could, I learned how to do it because I thought it was the coolest thing ever, you know? So I would play and occasionally I would twirl the sticks and hit a cymbal. And this and that, and I and I guess Tom Bass was watching me do that, and then uh, and then later on, I, you know, and I was kind of lanky and flaily and had the the double bass drums and all that stuff, and some of my friends said he kind of, but everybody was doing that back then. Everybody was kind of doing the whole thing, and I can tell you where Tommy got a lot of it, and uh, but what Tommy did with it is he twirled the sticks in a different fashion than I did. He twirled them in between his fingers. Which that goes way back. That goes even way back to like Gene Krupa. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And 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 Carmine P. So yeah, that twirling thing goes way back. It's like the finger tapping thing. How like you know you know Eddie Van Halen didn't invent that. You know, it's, sure. It goes it goes back. So um, Tommy kind of took it to another level, and um, I still remember being watching him Motley Crue at the Santa Monica Civic. I think it was eighty one New Year's Eve eighty one. I think it was. Me and Izzy went. Me and Izzy <laughs> snuck in. We snuck in back back we didn't pay to get in is he from guns and roses i'll tell you that story oh, wow. later me, me and him were best friends so then i see tommy lee and i'm like what the hell is he doing now he's, he's playing drums and he's twirling the stick like in between the beats you know like going off doing it in between the thing i'm like he took it to this next level and then he started doing this thing where he's putting his his arm over his head before he's hitting the snare in conjunction with doing the twirl so he's doing the twirl and the thing over the thing i'm like and he looks, only Tommy could look that cool doing it because his arms are this long and they're this skinny, you know what I mean? So he looks cool doing it. You see other drummers doing it. It doesn't look as cool as him doing it, you know? Yeah. And he just kind of blew up as far as, um, I can't say that if I would have got together with Nikki, if things would have changed, no way. I mean, that was meant to happen. Tommy and Nikki, that was meant to happen as far as the planets being in line. Or Tommy just doing something because I like I said I saw Tommy in Sweet Nineteen and he just kind of blossomed into 
this thing that he is, you know what I mean? And it was all happening then. And so we getting back to street kids, we were playing and they were watching us. And I even remember Nikki going in the bathroom and I was showing him the stuff that I was putting in my hair. And he was like, you know, looking at the hair products and stuff. And, and he was always, they were always really cool to us. And, and we just kind of disband, you know, we kind of went this way. They formed Mot Mot Lecru and they kind of did their thing and they went on their way. And of course I knew Vince I didn't know Tommy and Tom Bass or Vince together. I had known Vince earlier from before the street kids sing where he was in a band called rock candy. And that's all in the books about rock candy. And I, I jammed with rock candy a couple of times. I think they had trouble with their drummer and they were wanted a new drummer. And uh, I drove out to filament pro audio in San Dimas and uh, was going to audition or jam for rock candy. And so this was probably, this had to be pre-1980 also. So I get there during the day, and it's the original lineup of uh, Rock Candy, James Alverson, and I think Joe and Bass and, uh, and uh, Vince. And Vince kind of came in. He was all tan. I had known Vince from, like, hanging out with him. He had the brown hair. And I remember with our friends, it was like, Vince, the surfer, the surfer kid, the guy that wants to be at the beach. I don't know where the surfer thing came from and the tan thing, but he was always kind of like the guy that was the singer, but kind of didn't want to be there. Vince was always cool, (laughs) cool, great looking guy that had bleached out hair that was just, you know, like uh, highlights in his hair. Of course he didn't have the, the blonde hair though, bleached hair and the ripped up jeans and no shoes. And he was just hanging out. And so now thinking back is I remember we a couple songs that we played in Rock Candy. We played He's a Whore by Cheap Trick, you know? Yeah. And I think Vince likes that song because I think he's, he has done versions of it. And uh, then I think what maybe I probably choked on playing the drums because my friend Tony Babylon was with, with me and he goes, hey, man, don't you guys play um, Don't You Stop from the Cars? Remember that? You remember the cars? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and Vince, Vince thought he was real clever because there's a line in that song where it says, oh, your long black hair tickles my skin skin. You remember that? Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. There's a line in that song. And so Vince used to think at the at the parties and stuff, he yeah. used to think it was real clever to, go, to change the lyrics that the long black hair tickles my foreskin, you know? <laughs> and so, <laughs> so my friend Tony That's goes, great. hey, Vince, you know, so they go, let's play it. And so I didn't really know that song. Now, now listening back to the song, it has kind of like a, a like a cool, like a intricate drum part to it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I got a tom thing. So probably when it came to that part, I probably either played over it or I didn't know how to play that song correctly. So I probably didn't go off as being that great of a drummer. Um, I don't know really if it was an audition or a jam, but after that, nothing really became of of playing in rock candy i think they patched things up with robert stokes he's a facebook friend of mine he's a great drummer and a great guy but i still remember hanging around vince um at the wood sound i remember there was a club called the wood sound in monrovia that all the bands would play was short-lived and me and vince there hanging out and i always thought i felt cool hanging around with vince because he was really nice he was really cool to me you know he was really cool and he was like hey tony let's hey want to play pool and this and kind of like wanted to be buds. And I was like, wow, 
Vince wants to like hang out with me. That's cool. And the girls like him and he's a cool dude. And, and uh, I always felt like he accepted me in his little, his little camp of rock candy back then. I thought that was kind of cool, you know? And um, so that kind of, that whole thing kind of like parlays into 1985 with the theater of pain thing, you know? Okay. What happened was uh, I met this woman, this girl, and she's like, you know, you want to be a rock and roll musician or do you want to get married and blah, 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 blah. You know, so I got married, started a family and everything. And so that smile thing comes around. Yeah. And uh, the, I told you before, Jimmy Volpe's not in smile and uh, they're, they're searching for drummers in LA and everything. And, and I, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll play in your band. I know smile. Smile was a real uh, favorite of mine as a kid. I saw, smile with van halen at like at the wow. some of the gigs at the pasadena civic when i saw van halen at backyard parties i was real young but i had older uh, brother and sisters and so i was real young but i were i was at the pasadena civic shows watching van halen before they toured and uh smile was always a big name and i was a real fan of the original smile the original lineup with the original drummer and um so jimmy volpe it's out of smile i'm like hey man can I get a, you know, an audition? I'll go in there. And like I was telling David, I'm like, I'm not going to go in there and try to be a Jimmy Volpe because Jimmy Volpe is amazing. He plays like Keith Moon versus Terry Baggio, Vinny Apice. Jimmy was great. He was, he won, Jimmy Volpe came in second in the Griffith Park drum off with Carmine Apice. And like oh, Buddy wow. Rich was the, ju Buddy Rich was the, the judge, I think. Yeah, I you know? think, yeah. If you ask Tommy Lee now, like who's the hottest, the best guy in LA at that time, they will all say Jimmy Volpe, coolest little Italian guy. But like I said, I said I, I'm going to go in there with a different approach, and I'm just going to play meat and potatoes and have the big drums, take my three huge drums in there, and uh, that's it, you know. And they they were all hot on the what is that? The, is it Rick Allen and Def Leppard? They were all mm -hmm. hot on that that sound, you know, that just that big, big just big drum sound yeah. and if you listen to that album it's jimmy volpe on that record and i did a few overdubs but mainly the drums on that record are is all jimmy volpe and i just kind of i was like the guy that fit the suit you know johnny bravo the guy came in and i fit the suit and went in there and i i, I did a couple of things and the couple of things that i did was when they were in the next room of motley crew and motley crew was doing the theater of pain uh, okay okay so I walk into, I'm at the record player. We got to go in and do these overdubs to this record and that Jimmy Volpe's on. So I go into the record plant in 85 and I'm there and I'm, I'm walking down the hallway and I see Vince turn to walk towards me. And I'm like, oh, hey, there's Vince. I'm like, okay, well, he's, he's kind of like a rock star now. And I'm just like, he's not going to remember who I am or... I was just like, I wasn't going to say anything because I didn't know what to say. I'm like, hey, Vince, remember me? I would have felt like a douchebag or a fan. And I didn't yeah. want him to go like, no, nah, dude, I don't know you. you know, then I would have really felt like dumb. So what do I do? I'm just, I'm just going to like walk by and not make eye contact like, you know. So I, I, he walks this way and I walk that way. And I pass, he passed me up and I'm walking and I go, I hear, hey what the fuck dude and i'm like and i turn around and he goes 
what? What? You don't say hi? Like, what? You, you don't know me? Like, what? What's up? You know? I go, hey, Vince, how's it going? And he walks over to me and I go, how are you doing? And I remember I felt I didn't really know what to say because I knew it was shortly after that thing with Razzle, you know? Yeah. Mm. So I go, so I go, you know, I caught myself. I was like, so how's it going? You know, I, 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 I caught myself before I said that. And I go, yeah. so I go, so, uh, how, how you doing? You know, or how, and then I felt nervous, like, fuck, like, what, you know, what, what do you say? I didn't want, I didn't want to bring that topic up. I didn't want to, I'm like, Hey man, how, how you doing? Are you doing okay? And I was like, damn, you know, like Chris Farley, you know, like, damn. Like, <laughs> and he said a few things and I said, Oh, nice seeing you, man. He goes, yeah, we're recording over here and I'm recording over there and smile. And, and uh, then I remember being in the lobby of the record plant. So then I'm in this in the room and there's this half kind of drunkish. I don't know if he was drunk, but he kind of seemed like he was drinking. This English dude that's the producer, the new producer, Smile gets to mm. fix this record. So he goes, I'm in there. <laughs> I'm in there. He goes, hey, hey, mate, mate. And he grabs these pieces of paper. He's listening to this thing and he goes, oh, oh, oh. Hey, mate, and he gets two pieces of white paper, and he and he scotch tapes them to the monitors, over the monitors, and then he's listening. And I'm like, what the hell's that paper over the monitors? And he's like, okay, okay, like he's onto something now, like this, like this magician or something. I don't know who this guy is, you know? Right, and little he, audio voodoo. <laughs> yeah, and he's going, shh, and he's, you know, and I was a young kid, and I was probably yapping, and he's going, shh, and you know, everything. Like, the genius has to listen. You know, Phil Spector has to, he's hearing something, you know? <laughs> so he goes, okay, mate, what I want you to do, come in this room. And he had, he took me in there with a hi-hat and he goes, I just want you to redo the hi-hat from this song. So I'm, I'm doing the hi-hat and he's in there working with me and I'm hitting my, my, I'm hitting the other hand on my, on my thigh here as the acting snare drum because I just had a hi-hat in there. So I'm trying to do this beat without a snare drum you know wow and and the next day my leg was all bruised because i guess i was hitting my leg <laughs> like a snare drum and so later unbeknownst to me this drunk guy is andy johns yeah They're like ah. that was andy johns i'm like who's andy johns i don't know he was this drunk english guy what did this right. guy ever do until later led now zeppelin and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so here i am andy johns and i'm like i don't care who it is but um so that's when, around that time, I don't know if it was in that session, is when somebody came from the other room and they wanted personnel to go in the other room and do some, I thought there were some sort of vocal things. And I guess they were the fights. Fight, fight. They needed a crowd thing. Right, they go, fight for they, your they, rights. Yeah, and they go, hey, Tony. I go, I'm, I'm busy with this drunk English guy here. You guys go do the fights and do the fights in the other room. And so I never went in the other room, but I remember our bass player and some of the other guys went and were doing the fights in the other room. I guess wow. it was the theater of painting. So I finished up there. I, don't, I was there in a few days. I don't know if it was the same day, but I go in the lobby, in the lobby of the record plant. And I, I know it was the day that I met Vince because he was in there asking for quarters because there was a pole position driving game <laughs> in the thing. 
And he's going, hey, man, you got some quarters? Quarters, And he's going, whoa. And he's like doing the driving game. I remember I was kind of thought like, dude, like that's like like the driving game right now probably isn't a really good thing to be doing. You know? Oh, yeah. Especially consider what happened. Yeah. 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 I just killed a guy or some guy just, yeah. I don't know, whatever. He just, some guy just died in a car accident with you and he was up at the wheel again, you know? <laughs> I thought it was kind of odd. Yeah. But the virtual wheel. Yeah. No disrespect to Vince, because Vince is amazing, always the nicest guy in the world. And uh, so he was driving the thing, and the guys in the band there, and I, I remember going in the bathroom to take a leak. I'm taking a leak, and I look over, and I see Mick Mars in there. But he had those Mick Mars pants on that say Mars. Oh, yeah. They had the big Mars. <laughs> yeah, M-A-R-S, yeah, down the leg. Yeah, the M-A-R-S down the leg. I'm like, the guy who wears the Mars pants <laughs> in the bathroom at while he's recording, you know, why would he wear the Mars pants? Unless, yeah, I swear he had the Mars pants on. Unless I'm just thinking it. But no, I thought he had the Mars pants on. So I get out back to the lobby. Vince is in there. Tommy comes in, crash bang pow again through the door. So it seems like whenever Tommy entered the room, the door hits the wall. Bam! <laughs> and he's like, and he's, he, he, he goes right to me. He didn't say, hey, dude, I remember you from the Kelly Rhodes thing. I remember you from the construction. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't. He probably didn't remember any of that stuff. But, you know, he's done tours and everything. This And he goes, hey, man, I don't know how this happened. The, my, my things thing, but he goes, and he pulls out this piece of paper and he goes, you know what this is? And I go, what, what is this is? And he goes, it's Heather Locklear's phone number, man. I met her. I just met Heather Locklear. And I had really thought that he had just met Heather Locklear from wherever he came from. Because what I, my memory was that he said, but I know this isn't the story because I've researched it. He told me that he just got back from the dentist and he met Heather Locklear. <laughs> so I thought he met Heather Locklear at the dentist, but now he says he says that he met her at an REO Speedwagon concert. So uh. I don't know where the dentist came in. I don't know if the dentist, his dentist was with him at the concert the night before or because mm. I know Ario I played. Do, I vaguely remember something about that, like that they that they went to the same dentist or something. There was a dentist really? somehow. So that yeah. might, see, that might, there you go. Because maybe Tommy forgot. Because I remember he goes, hey, man, I just got back from the dentist and I just met Heather Locklear and he showed me the phone number. And I went... And he was just telling me. He wasn't telling the guys in his band. He was just telling me. <laughs> and I go, wow, really? He goes, yeah. And then he looks at me. And I'll excuse my language that I use because I don't use this wording. But he goes, he goes, he looks at me real serious. And he goes, isn't she going with that Scott Bale fag? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and I don't like to say that because I'm not, I don't have any offense yeah. towards that. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a bad, right. in fact, Back then, that was a word you used commonly. Now, you know, we, we, we don't we don't speak like that. Yeah, we don't. So I go, For sure. So, are we going with you know that Scott Bale clown? And I'm like, I think so. And he's like, puts the thing in his pocket, and he's saying how he's going to give Heather Locklear a call, and that he had just met her. And I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of ironic. And then we proceed to look at the screen up at the the video screen and they were playing um hot for teacher the van halen video and um that waldo character comes up and he goes that's that scott bale guy that guy right there <laughs> the waldo guy you know right, that right. Guy, like he was kind of like 
that guy's done. I'm stepping in, you know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then he proceeds to tell me, he goes, yeah, man. He goes, he goes, I'm doing this thing. I'm like, what? And he grabs a, he grabs a pencil. And he goes, let me show you. Let me show you. He's like 12 years old all the time. And he's, <laughs> I love the guy for that because he's so cool. And he starts hitting the pencil on the table, making the pencil flip up in the air. And he goes, I'm going to hit my drumsticks on my floor, Tom, and launch the drumstick up in the air. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's funny, like, after that at the, some award show, I used to watch him hit his drumstick and fling that, that drumstick way high over the lights and then, like, catch it behind his back and stuff, or, yeah. or catch it. Yeah. He was able, he, he, and he was telling me how if you hit a drumstick just right on the floor, Tom, you could launch it up in the air. And he was ex- trying to explain it to me. And I was looking at him like he goes, uh, never mind, never mind. But now I get what he was trying to explain to me, you know? Yeah. And okay. I, I, There's I, a I, shot of that in, in the Home Sweet Home video, I think. Yeah, oh, do he, he throws it to the ground and he picks it up off, as it bounces off of the ground in the video. Is that oh, it? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's but doing that too. I, th- I think personally, I think from my experience, uh, my dad, you know, I think it's, it's an old gambling trick because my dad used to teach us, you know, card game tricks, you know, how to like, yeah. like a, a card, you know, a gaming card off a table and pick it up in midair as you're, as you're dealing the cards. It was like a showy thing. But also, too, if you had a half dollar or a silver dollar, if you threw it the right way on the floor, you could pick up the silver dollar and it would land right in your hand. You know, you could fling it. In. Oh, yeah. So that, yeah, I think, it's, a you know, it's, it's a cool a thing. But also, to too, Corky Lang from uh, Mountain, if you watch footage of him, he'll launch drumsticks to the audience by uh, slinging it off of the, uh, the ride symbol. Yeah. Boom. You know, and, and Leslie West is like, point one over there. And all of a sudden, you know, the drumstick's going over there on cue. <laughs> so it's, yeah. an old, it's an old showbiz trick, but, you know, it takes a lot of skill and, and work to, to master that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, that went, that happened and he was, oh, and then he was also telling me um, at the same time, he, I guess, I don't know, I don't know the, the timeline or whatever, but he said that playing with Van Halen, he goes, he goes, you know what that Alex does? He goes, you know what he does? He goes, he, does, he has electric drums inside of his drums. And this was like back in 85, I go, he does? He goes, oh yeah. He's got pads in those drums. And I go, really? He goes, yeah. And you know when he's doing his solo and he's, you know, imitating and he goes faster and he goes faster. He goes, that guy just hits the dial and speeds up the loop. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> he goes, yeah, he's just speeding it up. He's not playing that fast. He's just speeding up the loop. And he was like, oh, that guy's such a hack. You know, I mean, he wasn't saying anything bad about yeah. Alex, but he, we were laughing about it. And that's the cool thing is my memories. None of those guys like like Nikki. I didn't talk to Nikki very much, but Tom Tom Bass, Tommy Lee, and Vince. They never spoke bad bad about anybody or or put anybody down or you know they've always they're always very positive positive guys. You know, yeah. Even, like yeah. even really really happy that they were all this was happening to them. They were just as surprised not just as surprised, but they were happy that of their successes as everything was going, you know? For sure. Well, I know, yeah, Dave, this, so. this, Dave, this is your first conversation with Tony. You might have a few questions. I have, you know, two in particular that I want to ask, but Dave, if you have any more questions while we're together, you know, do you want to bring um, You know, if I or? think of anything, I'll chime in, but you go right ahead. Okay, I was just going to say that, uh, Tony, you were talking about, you know, whether or not that was the first time that uh, Nikki and Tommy met. I, I read something in in some book. I forget what book it was, and it wasn't the, uh, the Motley Crue first five years. It was, it was a different book than that. Uh-huh. Um, I can't recall what it was, but anyhow, I guess there was a story where Nikki met with Tommy at the uh, the Denny's on Lancashire and Burbank. Yeah, Hollywood. yeah, that's 
So yeah. maybe, maybe that was like, you know, an, a post meeting after they met in your situation. I know they mentioned that. It location. could have been. Yeah, I would kind of like to know. I, I actually wanted to talk to Tommy or or Nick. Not did. I, I mentioned it to them. They probably don't remember. They have so many different stories. But you know what? That's a good question. I don't know where that happened with the thing at Victory Studios. That wouldn't have been Kelly too Rose. far for them to go, though, because that's because that's close, right? it's, it's in Burbank, essentially. North, it's, it's like between North Hollywood you know and Burbank. I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk to Steve Sunderborg. He was he's in the band now, and I actually asked him that, and I didn't get a real straight answer from him on okay. when what that happened, the whole timeline of that, of if that's right. When I thought forever that that's when they met because it seemed like it then i didn't think they knew each other before that i knew that tommy knew vince from you know being in the same area in, in covina yeah they knew each other from school and all that stuff and so and then maybe so, yeah maybe denny's was like a post meeting or like a, you know a i don't know i'm gonna find out yeah i'm okay, gonna well, find out if it was at, before or after and uh I don't even know if Nikki of them even remember that Victory Studio thing. You know what? I should probably reach out to Kelly Rhodes and ask him. Yeah. You, you, you would yeah. remember. I don't even know what Nikki was doing there. It was just crazy. Well, there's but, also uh, the, the crazy story, too, which I think is in, in, in several books where I think it was um, Mick was going to a liquor store that's near Atomic Records in Burbank on Magnolia. Right. Because right? I think Nikki, right. Nikki worked, worked in the it? liquor store, right? Yeah. And I think Mick went and Mick was playing a gig somewhere, you know, not far from there. And he went in to buy a bottle or whatever. And Nikki was behind the counter, you know, doing what he did. And, you know, they yeah. met. And I think it was something similar to me. Just, you know, Tony, the history between me and Dave is on right. several occasions we were younger, we ran into each other. Like I met him at a right, record right. store, gave him the phone number, never called me. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know, right. I, I was I, dating, I was dating a girl that, you know, he had, be, had been dating probably at the same time, but I didn't know it. I thought, is Dave a big guy? I'm going to get my ass kicked. I don't know. So then. Right. Forward, Meanwhile, one of my best friends was this girl that Mike started dating. There's only like six people that live in Pittsburgh. So, yeah. yeah. So here I'm dating the girl. We get in, and I, and she's like, what are we doing tonight? Well, we're going to meet with my friend Dave and John. Okay. And, and who's in the back seat? But Dave. I'm like, oh, that's the guy that I met at the record store didn't call me three years ago. Why do you call me? Right. Like, oh, I just didn't think you were that cool. Or whatever you said, you know. Which, you know Dave <laughs> no. at the time, Dave's always been a rock star. He always looked like Steve Vai and Nikki Six. He was badass back then. I was just like a big dork. I'm still a big dork. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm totally uncool. Dave was cool and he was talented and he writes lyrics. So, you know, triple threat, right? But anyway, you know, <laughs> yeah. point being, you know, you just, there were those occasions where you run into people and, you know, apparently the same thing happened to, to Mick and, and uh, Nikki and they didn't really connect. And, you know, they, they right, later, right. Right. Yeah. They found that they found that out later. Yeah, for yeah. sure. One thing I was talking to a friend about is um, Nikki was real tight. I remember in the London days, he was tight with uh, the kind of the manager of um, the Starwood, a guy named David Forrest. Mm. He used to book the bands there. And he, I think he had something to do with Avalon Attractions. David Forrest was kind of a big name in promotions back then but uh i know nikki stayed you know they say that nikki was the the janitor or the cleanup guy at the starwood which i think david let nikki stay at the starwood and kind of sleep there in the coat check room for a while when he first came from um seattle that is a true story wow. and um and nikki was i think uh, uh david forrest did help uh london a lot the band london of course, they used to play at the Starwood a lot, and um, and he helped Motley Crue as, as well. But one thing I do know is that that band Rock Candy mm -hmm. uh, played a Sunday night um, at the Starwood. I mean, they were like from the you know they're from West Covina, so they weren't like in L.A. You know they had their little following out in West Covina and, and that area. 
so they brought all their all their local backyard party type fans to Hollywood on a Sunday night. And um, I think this is right when Vince bleached his hair blonde. Okay. And um, and so I know Nikki was there, and I know David Force. You know, those guys were always on the sidelines watching everything. And that was probably where Nikki had first seen um, Vince sing. Okay. And of course, the place was packed from all the West Covina surfer girls and people, and they were all going crazy over this guy with the bleached hair. And um, I know back then that I talked to Vince, and I noticed that he really liked David Lee Roth. You know, he really liked, he really wanted to be, you know, maybe not I wanted to be, but I know that he really idolized David Lee Roth. And and then I, I kind of noticed his mannerisms and the way he would speak and do his head gestures, that it was kind of like a little David Lee Roth-esque, you know. And I was thinking, well, that's, you know, that's cool. I mean, Vince was grabbing on to somebody that he really thought was cool. And if he wanted to be the next um, David Lee Roth, you know, cool. Cool, but that I do remember that's the first time I saw Nick with the, I mean, uh, um, Vince with the the blonde hair, you know. Okay. Wow. Be- before cool. that, before that, he had like the brown hair, you know, the brown, the brown hair. But you know, even in West Covina and in the local thing in the Rock Candy, of course, he was always the 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 girls liked him, and he could go up there and shake and move and dance and. Uh, you know, he, he he definitely had something. I mean, Nikki was pretty smart for going. Yeah, I want, you know, I want that guy to be in my band because he has the elements. You know, something that kind of like David Lee Roth has. Because I remember Nikki had replaced uh, Nigel Benjamin in London with some other guy, hmm. and I remember seeing Nikki backstage at the Starwood, just like shaking his head, going, "Oh, that was that was a mistake not having." I forgot the guy's name now, but. Mm. Nikki was trying out different like front guys, front men for London, and okay. um, that's I think when Nikki said he was just going to disband, not try to fix London anymore. Lizzie Gray I think kind of owned the whole London thing, and I know there was all these different um, different lineups of London. London after that. Yeah, I remember yeah. even my friend Tony Babylon going, "Yeah, you, you know Izzy's in London." I'm like, "Izzy's in London?" Like you know, I guess you know Izzy. Izzy Stradlin was in London before, you know, the whole GNR thing. But um, so, and then they went through everybody. You know, I guess if you go to the the top, the the whole lineup of London, everybody went through London. Yeah, know? it's like it's, oh it's yeah, Spinal Tap. Yeah, there's you know, you know <laughs> yeah. been in this band over the years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so I, I well, I have two two uh, maybe questions I really want to get to. Um, and the first one would be. Um, you know, a lot of us have seen the footage of, of Mick Mars' early band Whitehorse, right? Uh, you know, them playing some yeah. outdoor festival in Huntington Beach somewhere, and they've got the, you know, the if you want to call it the, I guess it's the clockwise rotating drum kit, right? Yeah, which was yeah, you know, probably the first that, yeah. one. It's terrifying when you watch the footage, you know. Yeah, Bob Bob Deal. Yeah, so there's a story that I read online um, that either Vince's band was on the bill for that show, or either Vince or Tommy were there at the show, but it would make more sense that Tommy was at the show because he was from the, from, you know, yeah, the South Bay, right? So, so, so uh, yeah, the, no, more like West Covina, Glendora, San Dimas. Yeah, same area. Because I think uh, the Bob Deal and that White Horse band, they were from like Hacienda Heights or something like that. Oh, okay. so, yeah, it was, it was the same area. Okay. And especially back then, a lot of, a lot, it's funny because back then, a lot of bands that were from Orange County kind of stayed in that little thing yeah. and played those little clubs. 
the ones from Pasadena. I was from Pasadena, San Gabriel Valley. So, you know, yeah, so it was a little different back then. So the bands from Hacienda Heights were those great white guys. The guys from Great White were from Hacienda okay. Heights in okay. that area. And, of course, Vince and Tommy were from West Covina. And the, the Bob Deal guy, which was – he, he was older. If you see the old photos, you see yeah. with the mustache and the long hair. And I never knew who Whitehorse was back then. Yeah. I didn't know. They were probably, you know, like the Doobie Brothers or something. We were like <laughs> – you know, we were, we were like – we liked bands like Angel and UFO, you know, so – yeah. A band that was like the Doobie Brothers or guys with mustaches were like, no, we're, we wouldn't even go see a band with guys with mustaches, you know? Okay. So, yeah. That, that answers that question. The other question I have, too, is uh, even in the like the uh, the MTV rockumentary that came out around the time of Dr. Feelgood and in you know, books that have been released, there's always discussion about the fact that, you know, Tommy's always said, you know, initially Motley Crue had another singer before Vince. It was the guy that didn't oh, work yeah. out. Who is that guy? Um... The guy Motley Crue? Yeah, there was a guy whose name was Odin. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there was a guy. Did he yeah, do There was a guy. Okay. No, he was before he was before Vince. Before Vince. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. When, when I see when I, I meet other singers, I'm not talking about John Karabi. I'm talking about you know pre right. you know, Vince Neal. Right. Yeah, oh, so there's guy. actually there's yeah. footage of him um online if you do a search for him on YouTube singing some motley songs um which which is funny because the song that i found that he's singing online is home sweet home which is a song that he can't have had anything to do with because of when they wrote it and when by the time he was out of the band but yeah no they complain about him that he like he wore these white gloves which they drove them crazy and whatnot which is funny because vince started wearing white gloves right around the time of theater of pain yep. but okay yeah. yeah yeah but that's funny that white glove thing the one who actually started that white glove thing was scotty waller of smile he started hmm. the white glove thing. Uh, he used to wear like okay. he used to wear like striped suits he used to wear striped suits and he did the white glove thing and actually i would say maybe even a guy before him we had the same manager, but back then there was a band called the Fab. They were called the Cyclones, the Fabulous Cyclone. The guy named Steve Gahagan. Good. He used to do it, I think. And then Scott did the white glove thing, and then um, and Smile also. Scott from he Scott was kind of like a Jagger esque type of guy with the white gloves. I don't know if Jagger did Mick Jagger ever put white gloves on. I don't know where Scotty got it from. He I don't know white glove thing. Yeah, and I know. Nick, I don't think I so. Remember, yeah. yeah, I remember uh, Smile would. For their encore song at the Starwood, they would always play Helter Skelter. So I know that's where um, uh, I know that's where Motley Crue got the Helter Skelter thing from Smile. And the White Glove thing, I know that after that happened, David Lee Roth started doing the White Glove thing. Yeah. On a, okay. The thing when you know he started doing the White Glove thing. So I don't know where the White Glove thing came from, but I do know that um, Michael Jackson too, right? <laughs> he wore right. one. Oh, he wore one. one. Okay. Well, yeah, you got to do something and, different. Yeah. And if you want to, if no, a lot of people don't know a drummer that that Tommy kind of took from a lot, and it's this guy named uh, his name. There was a band back then called A La Carte. And oh yeah. A drummer Brian O'Brien. I don't know what Brian's real last name was. But it was Brian O'Brien. But he was a great drummer. It was a three piece, three piece band. One great guitar player, uh, Kevin Kreese, his name KK Martin. But if you have any, you know, you could go look at me and Terry. Love we're talking about. Terry remembers all the cart. And, and Terry's also in, in the claws. He's bass player in the claws, and you know. Yeah. Cool. So all the cart, was a local band back then that played a lot with Smile and and all the rest of the bands. The '78. There's a documentary called Pioneers of Metal or whatever that you guys should see. It's all about those bands from like '70. 
six to 80, you know, in LA, the LA scene from that. I that just area. watched the trailer of that on YouTube, actually. Yeah, yeah, watch it. It's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's, it's good to where it kind of spells it out. It shows Carlos Cavazzo talking about his band Snow. Oh, yeah. Which I also auditioned for Snow. I remember <laughs> cool. auditioning for Snow. Yeah. And I was also in a band with Chris Holmes. And we'll go into that later. I was in a band called Buster really? Savage with Chris Holmes. I got some stories about Chris wow. Holmes. All good stories. It was all great stuff. But well, it um, seems like we've just scratched the surface here, Tony. And this yeah, is, your stories have I know, been I was wonderful. Always, I was always like crossing paths with this thing and not really taking anything too serious. Like, okay, I was in a band with Chris Holmes for a while. And Chris is a great guy. And back then, you know, doing all this. Now looking back going, wow, I shouldn't have gotten married. And I, you know, <laughs> I shouldn't have just been a, you know, a family guy and maybe stuck in the thing. But I always had, you know, my ex-wife going, those guys are losers. You're not going to chase a music thing. And what are you going to do? Go on the road. And, you know, like I said, you know, out of all the guys in the scene back then, of course, you know, the ones that came out of the Pasadena San Gabriel area, of course, Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. And I didn't realize until now that all, all the local guys in San Gabriel Valley were great guitar players that I thought, they weren't great back then because they were all trying to be like as good as Eddie Van Halen, you know, Mm -hmm. but in other words, like they were now looking back, you're like, those are all great players, but the bar was raised so high, you know, they were just trying to aspire to be like, like not play like Eddie, but be as good as him, you know? Right. And like, like a few, I made a list, like the guitar players that came out of Pasadena back then, you had Eddie and then you had, his friend Terry Kilgore, which he learned a lot. Of, he was in this band called Ready Kilowatt, and Eddie took a lot from Terry. You know, Terry deserves a lot of credit. You know, and then you had George Lynch. George Lynch yeah. was a local guy playing. You had KK Martin that was an a la carte. Um, you had a guy by the name of Randy Rhodes that was in <laughs> Quiet Riot, and uh, a guy named Tracy G. Tracy Grijalva. He was in oh, Dio's yeah. band for like six years. Yeah. Great player. Came from the same thing and then you had a uh, chris holmes of course and you had tommy gervin which was in smile tommy great guitar player that played in eddie, Mon- eddie money's band for oh, yeah. 35 years yeah, and okay. then you have a uh, friend kind of a friend of mine rusty anderson you know that's been in oh yeah. you know rusty's rusty's amazing rusty's you know i used to, i used to remember i had mutual friends with Rust, rusty and he we were at a younger younger years he i would be in bands and Rusty would pull up in his Mustang and he'd have a cassette player. And I always had a cassette of my band, you know, to play my band. And Rusty would go, Hey, you want to hear my band? Want to hear what we just recorded? And he'd throw a cassette in his thing. And it was like the most amazing thing. He was in a band called Eulogy. And mm-hmm. uh, they were like, they were like Bowie meets, you know, everything else. You know, they're just okay. so freaking cool and so good. And, I mean, Mike's tones remind me of Rusty's tones. Whenever I hear your tones, Mike, I'm like, because Rusty's like the tone god, the tone master. Even Paul McCartney goes, Rusty's tones, you know. And um, Rusty's just like, you know when you hear Rusty, the tones. And it's kind of Mike has that same thing. You you know when you you hear it. You know, it's just that that tone. I was just uh, complimenting him on his tones earlier this week. I know. He's like the tone guy, you know. Thank you, guys. And it's like, uh, uh, you know, and and, uh, I remember hearing – La Vida Loca on the radio and I asked I said Rusty that that's you on that La Vida Loca isn't it he goes yeah that's me I go you you wrote that part I heard you play that part just goofing <laughs> around playing surf guitar and he goes yeah and I go 
did they give you like a bunch of money for that? And he goes, no, they paid me for the session. I go, you should have got a writing, you should have got a writing credit on La Vida Loca because that's all Rusty's surf guitar. And oh, that's, wow. I remember he would always do that drop D or drop E D tuning or whatever you call it. I'm not a guitar player, but you turn D tune that E string, e string down to D. Yeah. Yeah. E string down to D and you can play like the Munsters and then you can play that surf Dick Dale. I don't know, whatever you guys yeah. do. But uh, yeah, Rusty just has that signature, um, that signature tone. If you listen to the uh, Maybe I'm Amazed thing, the live oh, one, yeah. and you just, you listen to Rusty's um, little riffs. It sounds like your tone. I don't know. It's just, you guys, yeah. certain, certain tone guys, they hear things. Yeah, I, the, the trick like, really is to play what the other guy isn't playing, you know, weave in and out, you know, <laughs> listen to what they're doing, give them their space and their time and their, their credit yeah. and their time to shine and do the other notes and yeah. the other inversions. And they don't also yeah. stand out as, you know, you're doing something cool. Well, no, I'm really playing the same thing. But, a different I way. I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if it was something in the water in Pasadena or San Gabriel Valley, but it was probably because all those guitar players that I mentioned were going to the local places in the Civic and parties and watching Eddie. Yeah. Right. You know, it's kind of funny about that thing. All those guys, like Randy Rhodes and all of them, is it's kind of funny that none of them ever emulated um, uh, uh, Eddie Van Halen. You know what I mean? None of them wanted to play like Eddie right they, they wanted, wanted to do their own thing and do yeah. their own thing yeah absolutely you know? well listen this has been great we i just looked at the clock i would love to continue talking to you some more so would you come back on the show again another time sure sure whatever yeah that'd be that'd be fantastic and is there a clause song that we can play uh that of your choosing um Probably not yet because me and Mike have just been recording on the latest stuff. Okay, but, uh, well, as soon as you have one that, that you want, you let us know and we'll put it on the show. For sure, me and Mike will, will for sure do that. Okay, cool. Well, this has been great. I appreciate you taking the time so much. It was a pleasure meeting you. Yeah, and, yeah. And we will talk again soon. Um, yeah, thanks for letting me share some stories. I don't know how accurate a lot of them are. They're just kind of by memory. I did, well, I'm sure you know, they're at least as accurate as the official stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do want to find out, like Mike said, I do want to find out about that meeting with uh, when Nikki and Tommy really met, when they did. I know yeah. the Denny's thing happened, but I want to know where that thing at Victory Studios fell into place with their their formal meeting, you know? Yeah, totally. In fact, I think I'm going to make this its own episode. I'm just going to call it Motley Memories. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, Tony, thank you so much, brother. All right. Thank you for being a participant. Take care.